Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. This is the third and sad to say final one in our series with our friends at WorkJam. He's back. It's number four in terms of the ones we've recorded because we did one back uh, at the end of 2020 with Tim. Hi, Tim. Back again. Hi, Simon. Back again. Never enough of these things with you. Thank you for having me once again. No, no. Always, always good to talk those um, dulcet I'm going to say Australian tones because you are Australian. I'm not going to offend you, Emma. Uh, always good to hear, my friend. Always good to hear. <laughs> Thank so, you so much. When I, when I speak in Australia, they think I'm English. I know that will probably surprise you given the way I sound, but uh, I'm, I'm halfway between them apparently. <laughs> happy days. Well, you, you've come over to the right side of the world, haven't you? That's the main thing. Um, so without further ado, episode three, we're going to talk about operations. So, I know, Tim, we've talked about uh, episode one, we've talked about task management. Episode two was around customer experience, how it links back through. Uh, Operations, I'm still, we'll we'll touch and go over some of the stuff we've done in maybe one and two. But when we talk about operations from a work jam point of view, what what does that mean? Is it a store? Is it a warehouse? Is it a manufacturing plant? Or does does it not matter? Uh, all of the above would be the answer and, and potentially more. I mean, one of the fastest growing areas right now with the obvious switch to uh, home delivery is, is actually, you know, people driving trucks and vans and delivery vehicles uh, around and it all falls under our definition of a frontline worker. So someone who isn't sitting all day in front of a laptop doing their corporate email, uh, we call them a frontline worker um, and that's where the digital workplace uh, is, is really effective in helping them. So, you know, yes, stores, and that's probably uh, one of our biggest uh, areas of application, but certainly distribution centres, very common, as I say, trucks. Actually, um, healthcare is is another area uh, where we have um, fantastic applications, so hospitals, care homes, these these kinds of things. And it does really show that there's a lot of uh, uniformity in the kind of problems that organisations have um, with staff who aren't sitting in front of emails and intranets and uh, you know, and laptop-based uh, applications. And some of those industries you mentioned there, I know retail historically has had a really bad rap for kind of labour turnover. So some people in uh, treble digits in terms of turnover, would you believe? Uh, others more stable. It must have a really, really big impact in terms of using something like WorkJam on that onboarding and, and let's call it reboarding as well, where people come back from uni for the summer or people are transient and dipping in and out, helping to get a kind of cookie cutter, repeatable, consistent, reliable way of bringing people into the business, maybe even exiting people from the business and bringing people back into the business. Really correct. And and turnover is something where actually you can work to reduce the amount of turnover. So making things easier for your your staff, making them uh, really identify with your brand. So you reduce your turnover. Um, But actually, a lot of businesses these days are are embracing turnover in some sense in that there's a burgeoning gig economy. So it's a fact that in in a DC somewhere, they they probably have students who work for a few weeks uh, every now and again, right? rather than consistently through the year. So you hit upon uh, the exact issue. How do we make sure that someone can uh, execute effectively whatever their role may be, store, warehouse, 
driving a truck uh, anywhere. How do we make sure they can execute uh, effectively whether they started a week ago or whether they've been with the business for 10 years? And and there's a lot of elements actually to making that happen. Um, you mentioned onboarding and reboarding. So uh, onboarding, obviously, someone is new to an organisation. What do you need to train them to bring them as quickly as possible to effectiveness? But reboarding is exactly that case where, you know, for some period of time, short or long, you've been away from us. So maybe it's not the absolute full training that you need, but there's certainly top-up training that you will in order to come back. And whichever of those cases, the end result is better execution, more consistent execution for your operations. And it's interesting because in this in this strange new unknown future that we've got in the world, I speak to lots of people that have changed companies in the last, let's say, 12 months. They've never physically met a co-worker. They've never been to the office. They've never been almost outside of their house working for that organization. So that ability to give people the, the package to do that again, must have been really highlighted through the early days of the pandemic? It really was. Um, but actually, there's something else that's happening that's similar but slightly different. So as well as people changing companies, actually what's happening an awful lot now since all of the changes the pandemic drove is people changing roles within the same company, maybe even within the same location. So whereas maybe pre-pandemic someone uh, used to work at one particular store and they did a particular role or a couple of roles within that store and that's all. Since the pandemic, that same person might be also, you know, spending a lot more time in the uh, back room doing some of those more operational pieces, which they never did before. We're getting people who are switching between stores in a way that they never used to. And, and even some organizations where taking people out of the stores where they have more than enough staff for, you know, the changes that the pandemic drove and putting them into the fulfillment function actually changing them from stores to DCs. And that's something that historically didn't happen very much. So again, whether you're changing organizations or whether you're changing roles within an organization, that training element is really important. And and you look at operational effectiveness, training is really where it begins. So how do you how do you give people the tools that they need to do what you need them to do? And when people think about training, they're they're thinking that the old ways of doing training are no longer the way we want to do things going forwards because it's not how people learn. If you're being reboarded, you don't want to be put in a, a you know two-day classroom thing with a bunch of people who are new to the organisation. You only need the top-up. So please feed me some videos, some descriptive documents maybe, some information about how others are doing things. Let me do that top-up training so that I can come back to speed very quickly. Whereas someone else who's brand new, yes, they probably do a more full training. They certainly do everything that I'm doing and some other things as well. Um, but it really gives a much more uh, a much more tailored approach to training where people can get what they need rather than everyone getting the same thing. But again, the end result is uniform and consistent execution in your operations. Yeah, so if, I, so if I move, I don't know, we'll make it up. If I work in a supermarket and I move from working on the shop floor to train as a baker, let's say, because I'm in the group of bakers in the hierarchy and um, the kind of behind the scenes of the solution, you can then target me with all the relevant training material updates that helps me become a better baker. 
Yes, indeed. And and then you can step beyond training. So giving you the training in the right way, in a way that you prefer to consume it, that's great. But let's have a group, a, a social media type of group for all of the people doing the baker roles. So actually, oh, I've had a disaster today. You know, the baking machine isn't working properly or, you know, I did something different and wow, what a wonderful result. Everyone's so happy. You can share this kind of information amongst people with the same role. So if you can not only deliver training in a way that people want, but you can set up groups of communications, groups of information sharing among similar types of roles, among geographical uh, groups, if you want, um, many different ways that you can slice and dice. But what you need is a platform in place that allows you to put people in groups and share good information amongst those groups. And that's what a digital workplace uh, seeks to do. Um, and the other part, of course, that we'll talk about is actually executing um, itself. So if I'm new to being a baker, um, maybe I want uh, to know the steps for a particular task and I want a system that can walk me through those steps um, and, and maybe validate what I'm doing uh, at each of those steps, um, maybe just validate myself, um, maybe get other people to help validate. Um, but task execution um, is something where a system can be really helpful. And that amount of help can change over time. More help at the beginning when you're new. Um, later on, you're probably much more competent. You probably look at it less. You don't need to know the processes quite as much. Um, but again, that that giving you the right information to execute in the way that we need is uh, is what a digital workplace can do. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of bits in there. So there's that in that social group, does it drive performance? So, you know, today I made a thousand hot cross buns. Somebody else said, well, I managed to make 1500. Somebody else managed to make 2000. And then clearly the questions become, really, how did you do that? What did you do differently to me? Um, as well as the piece around, actually, I only make hot cross buns is probably still a good example for these periods throughout the year. So next year I might want to quick flip back through best practice of making hot cross buns because I've not made them for nine months. Absolutely right. And, and both of those pieces uh, are enabled. There's actually a third piece as well, which is that um, we desperately need hot cross buns made uh, in the store today. And unfortunately the hot cross bun expert has just called in sick so how can I quickly and efficiently, rather than me having to call, you know, 20 different people, uh, is there a hot cross bun expert spare from your store? Um, no, no, no. Let's, let's have an automated way that a shift can be broadcast to the people with the right skills in the right proximate geographical area to say, can we now feel this shift, which has suddenly become uh, available? So all these things tie together. Yes, as you say, uh, the training and the information sharing. Yes, uh, as you say, the, the tasks themselves and how they're delivered and, and how they're executed. But also that question of easily getting the right person in the right place with the right skills, it all comes together. And what's interesting is historically, they're all different systems. So the, the, the cases we've just outlined with, with those three big pieces, the training, uh, the task execution, and the uh, shift management, um, historically they come from three different places, which means that either your frontline worker has to deal with three different apps, three different look and feels, and they have to know when to go into each one, um, or, or maybe you just don't get the usage out of them that you need and you're actually dealing with them in other ways, informally. So, you know, 
they, they, they will ring someone from a different store that they happen to know. Not really a scalable uh, enterprise system. So the digital workplace can bring all of these needs together so that an, uh, a frontline worker has what they need when they need it. And that brings me completely not podcast related, but onto hot cross buns because that's the subject that's clearly hot <laughs> off the press. Um, yeah, if MS, I've tried MS's Marmite hot cross buns and I'm on the fence. I don't know if you've had them. I, I have not, but I'm a big fan of the blueberry and the apple and the standard. And yeah, big, big fan. Big right. fan. So give them, give them a go next time you're in there. And, uh, <laughs> we'll do we'll, so. We'll, we'll, we'll then decide whether they should uh, turn off the training for Marmite hot cross buns or not. <laughs> I, I'm, I am massively on the fence. I do like Marmite. I get people don't, but I can't quite get my head around it. It's looking at something that then tastes like not what you expect it to taste like. Uh, I, I will look out for it. And right now I can say you're you're the Marmite hot cross buns best salesperson that I've met so far. Excellent. I'm the only one. So let's let's talk about some some bits. We talked in, uh, I think it was podcast two around health and safety. So driving compliance, consistency, implementation, which is clearly crucial. And I think even more crucial as we we've worked through the pandemic with, you know, occupancy in store with face masks with hand sanitizers that that stuff all sits well but one area we've not really explored is loss prevention so talk to me about how you're seeing clients uh pull that into the mix of work jam well i think um loss prevention uh, customers are looking at and we're talking about data uh loss here um looking at different risks so one of the operational risks actually um is uh, personal information uh, going to the wrong place and all of the many issues um, that can arise from that. Um, and so sometimes when you talk about mobile systems, there's a nervousness that people have um, around that. Now, what we can do in WorkJam um, is make sure that only the right information is transmitted um, out into the world. We can make sure that what is transmitted is highly encrypted, um, and we have uh, you know a number of different technical and operational methods to make sure that actually we absolutely minimise data risk um, that, that you have in your organisation. And what we see um, out there quite a lot when we start talking to customers about the digital workplaces, many of them have sort of unofficial systems in place that are kind of doing what's needed. So they might have some social media messaging app. They go, look, we, we didn't put it there, but our stores, uh, you know, they, they've got a social media group so they can all talk to each other. Or the, the bakers, as we were just uh, talking about, the bakers have all put together um, a, a WhatsApp group, you know, where they're sharing information. Now, organizations are getting quite uncomfortable at those sort of informal um, methods because, you know, when you do that, then mobile phone numbers and names and all this stuff is, is being shared around and not every employee is comfortable um, with that sort of stuff being highlighted for all of their uh, fellow staff. It doesn't have the, the sort of corporate security around it. And you also can't manage the groups, actually. So if someone puts an informal group together for all the bakers, you know, let's just share the baker information, um, then one of the bakers leaves 
but they're still on the group. No one's administering the group. Uh, and, and who knows what confidential information is going around. So WorkGen can actually look for certain types of information and make sure that it's not shared. Obviously, we anonymize um, things like phone numbers. We can anonymize names. We can do all sorts of um, clever things to make sure that we're really in control um, of information. Um, and effectively, because this is such a key area, you have to have a digital workplace in place to do this effectively. Um Companies are more and more looking uh, at this issue of data loss and preventing data loss and recognising they definitely need proper enterprise systems in place and not a patchwork quilt of, you know, some shadow IT, some unofficial and some official applications that maybe weren't built with this uh, foremost in their minds. Yeah, I like the shadow IT. I think you brought that to one of the other podcasts. So it, it was a new term terminology for me, but it stuck with me. So what would you say to kind of those organizations that don't or haven't thought about this route, this digital um, enablement of frontline workforce, because maybe they've got an older workforce or they think that a, a high percentage of people wouldn't opt in? Um, I, I, I'd say look at uh, the history of the digital workplace, and, and it is, um, it's a relatively new category, but it's not brand new. So WorkGem has been around for six years now, um, doing the digital workplace with, with great success all around the world. Um, and in, in our customer profile, we do have, you know, we have grocery uh, companies where they have that um, stable workforce combined with a very changeable workforce, a really interesting profile, people that have been there for 25 years as well as the uh, students that, that come and go um, every year, all adopting the solution. We have companies like Shell, um, uh, you know, very different profile of employer again, um, you know, a mixture of business types, so some owned by Shell, some not. Um, again, excellent adoption uh, by their staff. Um, we have very small companies, restaurants, uh, service in industry. We have, you know, healthcare companies. We have, we have small and large across many verticals. And with all of those different profiles of employee, our adoption rates are extremely high. You know, and mobile adoption has, has always been a challenge in the IT industry. If you're giving people a bunch of different apps and saying, please use all these apps, it's really tough to get adoption because which app do I use when? And I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, they all look different. How do I use them? So we just simplify all of that. So it's one key application, uh, one look and feel, um, integrating the different pieces that the frontline employee needs. And that really does result in excellent adoption. And we have, I'd encourage everyone to go to our website, actually, workjam.com. Um, we have a number of our customers who've been kind enough to do uh, webinars, um, for example, talking about the success that they've had and, and some of the adoption rates that I've heard uh, out of our customers' mouths are, are really incredibly impressive. I mean, well into the 90s um, as far as percentage adoption goes straight away. Um, and you think about why is that? You know, why can we get these extraordinarily high adoption figures in an area that's been historically difficult? It, it really is about make it easy for your frontline staff. So it's not a burden to interact with the IT systems. It's actually not only easy, but it's genuinely value adding. So I have no concerns, you know, whether it's the gig economy and will someone uh, adopt if they're only working for us a few shifts a week. I have no concerns about the, you know, I'm, I'm heading towards retirement. I've been in this job for, um, you know, a couple of decades maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not naturally uh, an adopter of technology. I know that all of these different employee types 
embrace the digital workplace precisely because it makes their life easier. Perfect. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the series, to be honest. So a, a good set of principles to work to if you're enabling your digital workforce. If we wrap it up here as well, it also gives you time to get in the car and go on an official shopping trip to buy some Marmite Hot Cross Bun. <laughs> I've got a job to do now. Simon, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great fun talking to no. you. It's been a pleasure. Love this series. And if anybody wants to reach out with Tim, uh, he's on LinkedIn. So Tim Wheeler, go through the website, workjam.com and make contact. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Simon.